inaccurate patient ID matching can result in potentially deadly medical mistakes as well as patient privacy breaches. This is prompting some leading healthcare organizations and industry groups to call for changes in how patient ID matching is handled. I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Mark Propes, CIO of Utah based Integrated Health System, Intermountain Healthcare. Mark is also chair of the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives, or CHIME, which recently launched a $1 million competition to encourage new innovations in patient ID matching. Mark will be discussing why patient ID matching is such a difficult patient safety and privacy challenge, and he'll describe for us how Intermountain Healthcare is tackling those issues. So now, Mark, for starters, just very briefly describe why patient ID matching is so critical to patient safety and privacy, and why is it such a challenging problem for the healthcare sector? So I'll tackle it a little bit opposite of the way you just asked the question, and why is it such a big challenge? And it really comes down to numbers. You know, we have lots and lots of people in our that we serve in our facilities, and many of them have either the same or similar names or have seen care within our organization and other organizations. And actually getting the right person every time uh, has tended to be a challenge. You know, we have lots of Maria Garcias and lots of, uh, in Utah, Joseph Smiths, and getting that correct is a challenge, and it has been for as long as I've been in the industry for over 30 years, and it continues to be a challenge today. And it's really important that we get it right. So you mentioned patient safety. I mean, having the right result come back to the right individual or understanding the allergies of an individual and making sure that you've aligned those with the right person can be incredibly important in patient safety and the procedures we perform and the tests that we do and the information that we provide to individuals. So from a patient safety perspective, it, it's big time an issue. You know, one you didn't explicitly bring up was in just the billing processes. It's really important that we do that correctly. That might bring in some privacy issues if we somehow identify the wrong person or attach the wrong record to the wrong person. We may inadvertently give out some personal health information inappropriately. Or we might even just create an embarrassing situation or a aggravating situation when someone shows up for a procedure or a clinic visit and, you know, the pre-work that we did wasn't aligned with the right person and it just becomes somewhat of an embarrassment or, again, might create some additional time in that particular interaction. So there's lots of reasons why we want to get this right. We're spending lots of money to try and get it right. I estimated five years ago, or we did, Intermountain Healthcare estimated five years ago that we were spending over $4 million a year to help with this issue, either to improve our ability to do positive identification or to clean up where we didn't do positive identification. So now, Mark, when it comes to the approximately $4 million plus that Intermountain spends on processes and technologies associated with ensuring accurate patient ID matching, what do those costs cover and what is the difficulty from a technology standpoint that makes this such a big issue? Most of that expense comes from cleaning up duplicate medical records where we have uh, not appropriately identified an individual where we may have had a record and now we've created a second record 
and we need to bring those together. That takes a lot of energy, personnel time, and thought. So I would say probably the, the majority is there. But on the technical side, I mean, we try lots of things. We have fairly strong algorithms. I mean, we get it right well over 90, probably more like 95% of the time here at Intermountain Healthcare, particularly if they're you know, one of our patients. We get it right pretty often. So the algorithms take time, money. The technologies we continue to try, like biometrics, we've tried all different kinds of biometrics. One of the techniques we're using right now is a physical picture of the individual to help a registration clerk or someone else in doing identification. But that becomes more and more challenging as people have interactions that aren't with a physical person but are actually just completely electronically done. And again, now we're we're relying more on algorithms and the technology to, to base it on. So, you know, the costs are spread out. Most of it's human labor. So now, Mark, you mentioned some of the privacy issues that can come up, wrong information perhaps going into a claims system about a patient. Are there any particular security challenges involved with patient ID matching? And if so, what kinds of security and what sorts of solutions have you used to try to tackle any of those issues? We put a lot of money and energy into security and privacy of our patient records. In fact, uh, we're in a three-year, $40 million program to enhance our security. So it is a challenge, not all of it, of course, associated with the patient ID or our lack of a patient ID. But if you think about some of the things I mentioned, sending information to the wrong individual, putting it in within a, the wrong record so that it surfaces on someone else's records, those could all potentially be big-time privacy issues. Also, we're fragmenting this record across multiple IDs, and so now you're dependent on every system to be able to uh, have an adequate level of security. So again, our ability to get to a more singular record that we can protect and, and understand the individual, I think the more private we can be with the data that we have. Now, Mark, you brought up some of the patient ID matching difficulties even within the same healthcare organization. What are the challenges involved with patient ID matching when it comes to exchanging information with other entities that aren't part of your organization, for instance? So statistically, what I understand, I mean, it drops from the 90 percentile when it's within your system that when you're working with organizations external, basically doing the exchange of records, it goes down significantly to to like the 70s or even lower from what I understand. So the challenge is obviously there statistically. For us, it remains a challenge. So when someone comes in and we have to map an ID, maybe it's a new person coming into our system and we have to create a new record or we're not sure if we have to create a new record, we may already have a record for an individual, because we're not sharing the same ID, we have to go through a process to match those records. And, yeah, that definitely makes it a bigger challenge. And as everyone knows, lots more organizations are now you know, using electronic medical records, so they're exchanging health records that way. And because of that, and the problem just keeps getting bigger. None of us are using the same ID, and so we're all having to use different algorithms probably but some level of algorithms to do that matching, and that's creating duplicate records and inaccurate records. So it is is a much bigger challenge now that we have the electronic interchange of data. 
Now, Mark, as you know, there has been a congressional ban for many years now on the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in terms of HHS funding any sort of work related to a national patient ID. Do you think that ban should be lifted, and why? I do think that ban should be lifted, and I think it's because they're basing that on old information. It's interesting, when we did the kickoff, I was talking to some of the leaders there, and I believe, I don't know this, but I believe a lot of the reason there's a congressional ban had to do with privacy and security issues. And it was brought up by the rightful groups that would like to see greater privacy and don't want the records to be shared. But from what I understand in some of the discussions that are out there, the privacy individuals are very excited about a national patient ID as long as it's done right, as long as part of the process is is that we're paying attention to to how this can improve privacy and security. So I think if Congress were to look at it a little differently, that, you know, it isn't just about willy-nilly throwing out the Social Security number as our patient national patient ID, but that we can go through a thoughtful process of creating a national patient ID that actually improves privacy and security, then there's no, no reason for the ban anymore. And, Mark, if the ban were to be lifted, what would you like to see in terms of a national patient ID? Would you like to see everyone get a unique ID number or some other way of identifying people? Or what sorts of things are you most interested in? I'm really interested in the challenge that Chime is supporting. I don't know the answer. It's funny, when Hero X woman was speaking at, at our kickoff event, you know, she mentioned that a lot of these great ideas come from people that are outside of the industry or certainly outside of the know within the industry because we bring a lot of legacy bias with us. So even my answering that question would bring a lot of legacy bias. I'm excited to see what comes out of this challenge that may be things we've never thought of but will help us to positively identify our patients. There's newly proposed legislation in the Senate that calls for the Government Accountability Office to study the challenges involved with patient ID matching. Do you think this indicates that maybe members of Congress are becoming more open to the idea of lifting the ban on HHS? I would hope so. If you think about the congressional process, the legislative process, health information technology has gotten more attention since meaningful use than it ever has in history. And I can come up with a lot of negative things around meaningful use, but a very positive thing around meaningful use is it has advanced the discussion. So now, not only is Congress aware of electronic health records and things like meaningful use, but some of the challenges that come with it, which are positive identification of our patients. So the discussion's moving into the right circles. The fact that GAO is being asked to look at this is is a positive sign, and and maybe it is leading us toward a lift of the ban. And finally, Mark, uh, going back to security issues for one moment, you had mentioned that Intermountain Health is working on a number of things. Anything that's at the top of your list this year in terms of privacy and security initiatives at Intermountain Health? Pretty much everything everyone else is working on. Just, you know, it takes time, money, and effort. One thing we are involved in is we have initiated a national discussion around things the industry can do as a whole to improve security. I mean, one would obviously be a national patient ID, but we're not going to kick off our own challenge there. We've got one with Chime that's good enough. But there are other aspects we'd like to discover that maybe as an industry we could do that would help individual organizations like ours or even smaller hospitals that are independent be able to focus better their investment around security 
I liken it to every healthcare organization is building its own castle, moat, you know, walls, all their defense systems, and aren't there things maybe we could do as an industry that could ease some of that investment requirement and actually improve overall security for our patients? So we kicked that off. We kicked that off in November. Uh, we're meeting again actually this week, and I'm excited about seeing where that might take us. And will you be working with other non-Intermountain healthcare providers in exploring these areas? Yeah, meetings are in D.C. There are about four provider organizations currently involved. We've also involved the FDA, not formally. We've invited them in. So several government organizations. We have payers. We have life science, pharmaceutical companies also involved in the discussion. So we want to look at the industry holistically not just single provider organization or even just providers. Is there any particular part of security that you think that, you know, there's more strength in numbers versus everyone kind of doing their own thing? I'm certain that there are, and we haven't discovered them yet. Like I said, we've met once. But I think it's great that we're going to get some momentum around that discussion as an industry overall. Thanks, Mark. I've been speaking to Mark Propes. I'm Marianne Kobasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.